0: All right, ladies. So we are here, and this is the first time I am trying to record the Bible study. For those of you who can't make it, I'm going to put it on the podcast too from now on, hopefully, if this works. And so we are going to get started. So we are going over Women of the Bible, our Women of the Bible series. And the first, and one of the uh, next women that we are going to cover is Bathsheba. Um, and so I know not a lot of people may know the story of Bathsheba. I mean, she kind of has a small part in the Bible, but then she becomes someone very great. And so God uses her mightily. So we're going to go to Second Samuel, the book of Second Samuel, chapter 11. And we're going to start there, Second Samuel, chapter 11. I'll give you guys a minute to, to find it. I'm sorry if there's a little bit of background noise. Um, Eventually we're going to have a private room, but right now we're in a public location. And so we will, it'll be a lot quieter next time, hopefully. All right. Is everybody there? Okay. Okay. So let me give you a little backstory on David. So David um, was basically a shepherd boy, right? And um, I believe it was the prophet, is it Samuel or Elijah? Do you know Samuel or Elijah that came to anoint him? I think it was Samuel. So forgive me if I um, can't remember. But Samuel comes and he has like all these brothers. And he's like, I want to anoint one of your sons as king. He tells him the dad, right? And he's basically like, um, he, so he presents all his sons. And he's like, nope, not this one. Nope, it's not this one. And all the tall, dark, handsome, you know, stat- st- stately kind of men. He basically passes all of them up. And he goes, do you have any other sons? And he says, Oh yeah, actually there's one in the field. You know, he's the shepherd boy, right? Like the lowly shepherd boy of the family. And so if you're a black sheep of the family, you might feel like God can't use you, but that's definitely not true. So basically uh, Samuel goes and anoints David as King, but it is 15 years between the time that David is anointed as King and the time that he becomes King or anointed to appoint it, right? 15 years in between that. So imagine somebody telling you this great thing is going to happen for you and then you got to wait 15 years for it, right? And if you're in a waiting season, I totally understand that because I can we can all relate having to wait a long time for some of God's promises. So anyway, David becomes king. He's a great warrior. He defeats Saul. Um, you know, he is people cheer his name. They're like David killed, you know, Saul killed tens of thousands, David killed hundreds of thousands. And so he becomes this great warrior and he takes a couple wives, right? So he's already got a couple wives. And so I think he starts to get like comfortable and he starts to get complacent, right? And we can all get that way in our walk with God where we get like, I'm comfortable, I'm complacent, I'm doing what I need to do. We're just kind of like going through the motions, right? And so what happens is eventually David gets comfortable and we're going to see that right now he was supposed to be off at battle, but he decides to stay behind. And so he's really not going out to fight. He's not. He's just complacent, right? And so complacency sometimes can be a sin if we're not really going after God the way we should. So let's read in chapter 11, verse 1. It says, In the spring at that time, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. Rabba. But David remained in Jerusalem. Okay, so kings are supposed to go into battle. This is a sign of like slothfulness, laziness, complacency, which are sins. And so if David's attention was where it should have been, if he was where he should have been, how many of y'all know we go to places that we shouldn't be, we wind up in situations that we don't want, right? So he should have been there, um, but we're going to see what happens because he wasn't. So verse 2 Um, Second Samuel 11, verse two, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. Stop right there. He couldn't sleep, right? He couldn't sleep. Why? Because there was something going on in his brain. Um, You know, he probably was feeling guilty that he wasn't out with his men. He was probably wondering how the battle was going, you know, because back then they didn't have cell phones. They had messengers like take messages and it took days to get back and forth. Right. So he's probably, you know, can't sleep. Right. And so he wakes up. And from the roof, he sees a beautiful woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit, stop for just a little bit and talk about modesty. Because it's never um, someone's fault that, you know, for for a man to lust after us. Like, it's never our fault, right? Like, men should be able to control their own urges their own you know but we have to remember too that men are visual we're we're not as visual as women right like we're more like words right like you tell us things right or that's why we love romance novels and we love you know things like that but men are more geared towards a lot of times pornography or like seeing you know images on social media things like that so men are visual and so Here she is, and she's bathing, and she's kind of bathing out in the open, right? And so back then, they did have bathhouses, but a lot of times, they were covered. So we kind of wonder, why is she out here, like, bathing in the open, okay? Um, So she was not being very modest, right, by not covering herself. Even if it's at night, she knew that people from the rooftops maybe might be able to see her. And so I want to cover a couple verses on modesty. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 10 says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles, gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Another verse in Peter, 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4 says, it is not with fancy hair, gold jewelry or fine clothes that should make you beautiful. No, your beauty should come from inside you, the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit this beauty will never disappear. And it is worth very much to God. So God's not saying, you know, we can't dress up or we can't, he's not like ordering us not to do that because, you know, when Esther was going through her Royal treatments, like she was being beautified, all these things, you know, he used to dress the priests in like ornate robes and things like that. So again, God, and then he talks about the Proverbs 31 woman that she was clothed in fine linen and scarlet. Right. And so God's not against that. He's just saying that our focus should be more of our heart and who we are and our character, not so much our appearance, right? And I don't know if y'all are guilty of this, but I'm guilty of focusing more sometimes on my appearance or obsessing about, I need to go to the gym or, you know, I need to dye my hair, I need to get my nails done, I need to do all these things, right? But I'm like, I need to, we need to switch that and focus more on the Lord and like our inner character, right? So she was being a little immodest, right? Bathing out in the open. And so David sends a messengers to get her verse four: she came to him and he slept with her. And so she basically just kind of, OK, I'm going to go. You know, she didn't decline. She didn't give she didn't really put up a fight. This is what the scholars believe that, you know, she wasn't assaulted or anything. She just she didn't decline. Right. So obviously there was something in her that was like, oh, the king's calling me. OK, I'm going to go, you know, temptation.
1: Okay, so basically we find that Bathsheba, you know, was willing, she comes along and she actually um, sleeps with him, you know, and I, I just want to get into something really quickly, um, you know, that that we've all struggled with at one time or another, and that is sexual sin. The Bible says that sex was created within the confines of marriage to strengthen a, a bond of a husband and wife. And when we have sex outside of marriage, we create soul ties. Soul ties that are these bonds and attachments that were meant to be created for husband and wife in marriage. But when we have sex outside of marriage, that bond and that tie is created artificially, right? Um, But then we have all these ties and all these emotions and all these things that are bonding us to someone that we're not supposed to be bonded with. And then it also creates that soul tie, which can wreak havoc on a marriage. So they fall into sexual sin. They are both compliant, and then what happens? The month it says in verse, uh, we're in Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse four. It says David sent messengers to messengers to get her and uh, slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. Verse five says the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, "I am pregnant." You guys, there is never. A sin that does not have a consequence, and there is a a really good quote in the um, movie. I believe it is um, the movie um, the Shack. And when he's talking to God, and and he says, "Oh, you just love punishing people, don't you? You know, in their sin or whatever." And he says, "I don't punish anybody." He says, "Sin." is his own consequence. And that is so true, you guys. Sin has consequences. That's why the Lord tries to protect us so much from sinning because he knows there are consequences, right? So basically they fall into sin. She becomes pregnant. And so now he's freaking out. So he sends word to Joab, the king, um, the commander and says, send me Uriah, which is Bathsheba's husband. And Joab sent him to David. And so he goes on to, I'm just going to summarize and paraphrase. He basically goes and tells him, you need to go home. You've done such a good job at battle. Go be with your wife, you know, all these things trying to cover up his sin. Right. Um, and then. Uriah says to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents and my commander and the Lord's men are camped in the open country. How can I go to my house and eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as I live, I will not do such a thing. Uriah was so loyal to his country that he was like, no, I'd rather stay out here with my men. And so David literally the next day writes a letter to Joab and sends it with Uriah and seals seals the letter like literally sends the message that he wants to kill Uriah and put him on the front lines of the battle, seals that message and put him puts him outside where the the fighting is fiercest, right? And then says, withdraw from him so that he will die. Like literally orders this man's death and sends the letter with the man he's going to kill. Okay. To call for what? For one moment of lust to cover up his sin. This is how powerful lust is, you guys. And I'm preaching to the choir i'm preaching to myself on these things you know this is something we all struggle with especially singles in our purity um even in marriages you know you struggle people struggle with being faithful right there's the co-worker there's the the you know the attractive person at the happy hour there, there's temptation all around and we really have to do our best to fight it i know it's hard um But there are consequences, and this is showing us those consequences, okay? So basically, he does what he tells him. He goes out, and Uriah dies. And so the messenger told him that everything Joab wanted to say, the men overpowered them, and Uriah, your servant, the Hittite, is dead. And David told the messenger, say this to Joab, do not let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done had displeased the Lord. You guys, in our relationship with the Lord, there comes a time when It's not so much about rules anymore. When you really get into a a strong relationship with the Lord, when you, when you pray to him daily, when you worship, when you read his word, when you get to know the character of God, you come to this place knowing that it is not about the rule book and following the rules. It is about, I don't want to displease the Lord. I don't want to hurt God. It's like a parent, you know, when the parent comes to you and you're, you, know, you think they're going to punish you or whatever, and all they say to you is, you know what, I'm just really disappointed in you that you did this. That can hurt so much more than even the punishment, right? And we don't want to hurt the heart of God because God is loving and he's kind and he's patient and he's so much more loyal than we are right? We are so unloyal at times and we have so many idols in our lives and people that become idols or things or circumstances or places or whatever, right? And so, but it just, it grieves my heart when he he says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And so next time we're going to see the redemption of all this. We're going to receive, we're going to see the redemption of what happens and how God works all things for our good and his glory. Um, But just a couple of things, you know, I wanted to just recap on um, is, you know, first of all, the modesty that it takes two to tango, right? It's two parties being dishonest here. It's two parties dealing with things. Um, And so, you know, I really do want to stress that. and, And also, and also just, you know, thinking about, the consequences of our actions, right? Really giving thought to, do I really want to continue in this sin? And sometimes it is the hardest thing to break because you might be so attached to the thing, to the sin, to the circumstance, to the person that God is telling you to give up, but we have to do it. We have to do it no matter how much it hurts because why God is worth it. And we love him. And if we love him, we need to truly show God who we are, and how much we love him and how much we're willing to sacrifice for him. He sacrificed his only son on the cross for us. How much more should we sacrifice this piddly little thing that is, you know, our sin or, or whatever it is, right? That is keeping us from the Lord. Um, so basically, I wanted to, to finish up by also telling you guys about this series. So I teach a Bible study in Arlington, Fort Worth, every other Wednesday. If you are interested in that, you can go check out my social media um, on Instagram. I'm at a life overflowing, and you can message me on there if you want more details about the Women's Bible Study. It's, again, it's every other Wednesday, um, and we are doing a series called Women of the Bible. And so I've already done several Women of the Bible, but I'm just now coming back to start re-recording those series. So we're going to kind of go out of order and there's no order in particular anyway, but we're just going to talk a lot about the women of the Bible and um, just go through their, their stories and, um, and their lives. And, you know, because really this is a women's Bible study and, um, you know, I want to encourage women. I want to inspire women. um, I really want to impact women for the kingdom. And, you know, but we do talk about, I do talk about men. In this Bible study, I do um, you know, we we cover like Bathsheba, but we're also talking about David and his, you know, what he was doing. So there are men, and like last time we talked about Sarah, I'm gonna re- be recording that soon, but I am going to be covering um men as well. So there so if you are a man listening to this, there are a lot of lessons in here that you can learn as well, just about the character of God and things like that, but it is specifically geared towards the stories of the women of the Bible. They are interchangeable we can all learn from them and so that being said I will leave you with that and stay tuned for part two of the Bathsheba the story of Bathsheba and how God um, and how this story unfolds how it turns out the consequences y'all this is better than telenovelas okay you don't need to watch um you don't need to watch Netflix series you just read the Bible it's the best um soap opera you could ever find. So we're going to find out all of that next time. And I hope you uh, share this with someone. I hope it touches you and encourages you and convicts you because I know it does me. Um, And just pray for us, pray for the Bible study, pray for the podcast, pray that it touches the women it needs to touch and that we change lives for the kingdom of God and the glory of God. So have a blessed uh, evening and we will see you soon.